Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome to The Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. My name is Double D, also known as Dan Dale, and I'm by myself for right now. I mean, uh, Mr. Joseph Cowie will be joining me at three because he had to work. Yeah, he had to work. He had to go work. Okay, I I understand that. But Mr. Evan Harrington's coming in sooner rather than later. But of course, when I'm by myself, which doesn't happen often, I I must remember the fact that. We went on a long hiatus, uh, and we apologize for that. Just Wednesdays didn't work, so we said, screw it, we're doing Mondays now. Uh, and this should become a normal thing, Mondays 2 to 4. And if, let's say, that for some reason we can't do a Monday, we're going to try to do an online uh, live show on our Twitter uh Joe made the Twitter way back. I have to get the handle from him, but we, we, we're we getting back into the swing of things. You know, it's the end of June. Let's make a good July, and let's get it started right off. I mean, what I really want to talk about first is that we finally have a champion in Buffalo. Last time we talked, we didn't know what was going to happen, but the Buffalo Bandits come out on top to win the NLL championship over the Colorado Mammoth, who they lost to one year prior. I I mean, I am so happy. They had a parade. Uh, they, the Bisons held their annual uh, Bandit Bison Day. Dane Smith, got the who got the MVP for the championship, he threw out the first pitch. I, I mean, you could just see how ecstatic Buffalo was to finally have a champion back since 2008. Or 2010, I'm forgetting which of the two. But, nonetheless, they shared pictures of what the parade was like. And they had a pretty good crowd. But imagine if the Bills or Sabres do it. Just imagine how much that will double, triple, quadruple the size of people there. They will not be able to hold it at Key Bank Center outside in that plaza. No, 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 no. We're going to have to rent out a whole stadium. I think the whole Bill Stadium, you know, whether you like to call it Ralph, Highmark, whatever, New Era, I like New Era, that whole thing will be just filled of Bills and Sabres fans. I don't care which, because they're both going to get the same reaction. They're both going to be amazing parades. They're both going to be amazing parties. And I'm so glad the Bandits got to show us a little bit of what's to come and hopefully the more for the future. But man, was that Bandits team amazing in the playoffs. They rarely went down. They only lost the one game in Colorado, which made it into a game three for the championship. And it didn't seem like any team had their number this year. Last year, you could make the argument, okay, hey, you know, we had a really good regular season, and then in the playoffs, the teams just figured us out, and if you play us aggressively enough, 
you shut the bandits down. This year it didn't happen. It didn't matter how aggressive they were playing. They would go on. If you played aggressive, I hope you like staying in the box because that's what they were doing most of the time, which gave the bandits a lot of power plays, which helped, especially with Dane Smith, uh, or not Dane Smith, sorry. Dane Smith was there for the whole series. Josh Byrne. Josh Byrne is an amazing lacrosse player. Amazing. And Mr. Evan Harrington has just ran in. Oh my God, he's got a baseball uniform on. This this is something I did not expect. Mr. Harrington, hello. Oh man, it's wet outside. <laughs> it is wet. How's it going? Not bad, not bad at all. Why are you in your, your baseball ensemble? It's like me from last year. Yeah, right. Um, So I play in a baseball league, and um, I'm supposed to have a game at 6, but like I mentioned just about 15 seconds ago, it is absolutely wet outside, and there's a chance that it can get rained out. But, you know, had to, had to put on the, the baseball uni because in between that, I got a dentist appointment, so I'd have to go to blitz, dentist, baseball. So if the game's still on, you know, got to have the got to have the uniform ready. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think, but with the way it's going right now, but I, I know my fair share of, oh my God, it's raining. It's going to get canceled. And then it never gets canceled. And there I am in my baseball uniform, just, just getting poured on and being like, yay, I got to yeah. play. I guess my only hope, the game's in like North Collins. Okay. So there's a chance that North Collins might not see as much rain yeah. as Buffalo. In West Seneca and other areas, so there's a shot that it could still be on, but there's also a shot that it can easily just rain out. What is your batting average this year? You you gotta tell me five hundred and above, or are you at the you know Dan, Mendoza was, line? But Dan, if I was two hundred and below, Dan, if I was batting five hundred or over, I probably wouldn't be here sitting with us. <laughs> I'd probably be, you know playing college ball if I was batting over five hundred. I'd probably be going my way to the majors if I'm batting five hundred. No, I'm batting like. 220. <laughs> That's not bad, though. That's not but bad at I'm all. I'm an outfielder. Okay. Well, it makes sense. You're fast. I have a lot of outs. I have a lot of outs? Uh, you mean getting yourself out or getting other people out? Yeah. Getting other people out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm like, so glad you just agreed to that. <laughs> I have like six stolen bases. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I was Ben playing baseball because you, you know... Uh, I know you're not the – I mean, have you played baseball in years I've prior? I've 10 years. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> I only joined this because my buddies – it's a, it's like a, a house league almost. It's like um, uh, it's like a league with a couple travel guys, guys – a couple guys, you know, committed to play D3 ball. And it's like a house league, so it's like a mix. So is it – um? It's like there's like um, – Is it fast college, pitch or is it – you know, it's fast so, pitch. It's, it's, okay, it's, it's actually, pitch, yeah. like, not, okay. It's, um, there's, like, South Buffalo League, Cheektawaga, mm-hmm. Lancaster, um, Tondawanda has a team, I'm pretty sure, like, Lockport. How much fun have you had? I've had a lot of fun. We have, like, uh, I think we have only one win on the year. Oh, that's fine. I only tie. had, like, my last year of baseball, that was last year, I... I don't think we won a single game, but I, I still had like one of the most in. fun seasons. I wonder if this was the league you were in. Um, I was in a house league in Lancaster. That was uh, 
oh my god maybe i i mean there's a chance i mean their their age limit was 20 yeah so i mean if you turn 20 after the registration date i know you're not 20 yet right yeah that's right yeah so i i think there's actually a chance that it could still Sometimes they uh, smuggle players in, like, who are 21, 22, and they're like, no, they can pass as 20. Nope, definitely. <laughs> and they're, like, way stronger, way bigger, and we're like, uh, no. <laughs> no, that, that that right there is a fully grown man. Yeah, uh, right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I was just talking about the NLL champions, sure. the Buffalo Bandits, yeah. and I, I know we didn't – we went on a long hiatus, so we have a lot of cover. I mean, you went to the parade. I mean, how was that? Yeah, so uh, myself and my father had a chance to go down to the Key Bank Arena and go to the party in the plaza to celebrate the 2023 Buffalo Bandits National Lacrosse League Championship. Um, it was fun. It was a blast, honestly. Uh, the, the guys were absolutely um, you know, having a good time. Uh, you could tell they had drinks in their hands. They had their phones out recording the moment. Uh, their families were there. Some some had their kids um, on stage with them. So, I mean, it was a fun time, you know, overall. I mean, the whole plaza was packed from the entrance of the Key Bank Arena all the way to the back, um, you know, by the breweries and, and all that stuff in Cobblestone Street. So it was awesome. And then after that, uh, everybody kind of went to the street uh, and got into a little parade of the bunch of the bandits players got up on trucks and fire trucks, and then we just you know went about maybe less than a mile from the Sabers Arena all the way to the Bison's game, just because that those were the two things. It was the the party in the plaza to celebrate the championship, and then the Bison's game was right after. Uh, and I was going to the game, so we just all went to the parade. The Bison's or the bandits players went to the Bison's game, um, and then the Bison's won the game. So it was an overall great night. And it was actually funny. Uh, before the bandits took the stage uh, for the event, I, my my dad and I were uh, walking from the saber store back through the uh, foyer of the mm-hmm. Key Bank Arena, and we're going back outside to get ready for the for the celebration. And we see all the bandits players walking out of the like that like hallway in between the escalators when you're going up to the hunter section right. and stuff. Um, so we see those guys and they're absolutely, and when they're like saying what's up to the fans, like half of them got like three drinks in their hand and they're just, you know, they've been celebrating for such a long time already. Like I, I think I saw like Teoka, Nanakoke, uh, I think Chase Frazier. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Robinson, Justin Robinson. Uh, me, I, Burn and Dane and and uh, Cloutier were already up there. Uh, Priolo also, and then I think Vince was already up. But like most of the guys were there. I think maybe one or two of the Bandits players weren't there. Uh, but overall, it was a great experience. I mean, I mean for myself, and uh, you can attest to this. Like that's like the first major championship we've really witnessed in our yeah. lifetime in Buffalo. I know the Bandits won it in '08, but. Really, I mean, at the time, you know, we're we're four, five, six years old. We're, yeah, that's we that's gonna be hard for for us to remember. Um, I mean, other than that, championships in Buffalo. I mean, the, the Buffalo Buttes, the the professional women's hockey team, Buffalo has they won a championship 
in 2018, I believe. Hmm. But other than that, we really haven't had like crazy success in Buffalo. So, you know, even if it's like smaller, smaller teams, popularity wise, like the Buttes or the Bandits, it's nice to see, um, you know, the city kind of rally around that team um, in such a positive way, just because it kind of shows you, uh, you know, what like sports means to us in Buffalo, just even if it's something smaller, like the Bandits, where they don't have the popularity of the Sabres or, or the Bills. Even if it's only ten to twelve thousand people going downtown like that, just to see the com- you know, camaraderie and the uh, appreciation that you know us Buffalonians have uh, for just such such a smaller market team like the Bandits, I I think it's awesome, and I can only imagine what we would do celebration wise if the the Sabers or the Bills ever held their respected championships in their leagues. Yeah, I was talking about that. I'm like, okay, so pretend the Plaza, right? You're not going to be able to have have it in the plaza. You're going to need to go probably rent out the whole Bills stadium, just fill it up with fans because that's what it's going to be, whether it's Bills or Sabres. It's just going to be full with fans, I would think. I mean, realistically, if the Bills did win a Super Bowl, like where do you hold the parade? Like real, I mean, you probably have to go like downtown. Like it probably would be honestly on Chippewa. Yeah. But, like, I, I really wouldn't know where you would hold such a parade. I mean, you could technically hold it in Orchard Park, um, you know, down Abbott, down Southwestern, however you want to mark it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for the whole overall money-making aspect of things, you would probably want to hold it on, like, Elmwood. Oh, probably yeah. be held on Elmwood slash Chippewa just because – Oh, just I would the, say downtown the, the bar Buffalo. scene. Yeah. Just because of the bar oh, yeah. scene. People are going to be in and out of bar just because of the money thing. Yeah. People are going to want it, like, you know, on those spots because there's so many restaurants and, and bars and, and whatever shops on Elmwood. And it's Elmwood's such a long strip that you can hold something like that. Even, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I couldn't even imagine if <laughs> if we won something like that, man. Now, when you were talking about the players got on to fire trucks and other, you know, escorting vehicles. Were they there planned for them or they they just like randomly jump on them and they're like, okay, because I would think that that's planned, but <laughs> did like any fans try to jump on the fire truck too at the same time? Yeah, no, starting off with the last point you made, the, the one thing that's awesome about Buffalo fans, I mean, give or take, there's one or two that kind of stretch this out, but... But Buffalo fans aren't going to disrupt anything like that. They're going to sit back, cheer in, in their piece, and not disrupt the players, right? That's the one thing that Buffalo sports is very known for. We're a passionate, rowdy fan base, but we're not going to go uh, you know, past those boundaries and disrespect anything like that. Um, but going back the, to, the, to the fact, was it, was it planned or not? I'm not exactly sure if it was planned or not. All I know is like, as soon as the, the party in the plaza ended, everyone just turned around and was like, we're going to the Bisons game. And then there was just fire trucks right there. So I would assume that it was planned. Um, and all the guys just kind of just made their way to the street, climbed up on the truck. Um, whether that was staff and players like John Tavares was on him. So like him and the coaching staff was on. Um, and then, and then, so, uh, and then all the players, there's like three different trucks about, and they were all up there. And 
fans were tossing their their jerseys, their their shirts, their lacrosse balls, whatever they can toss hats, whatever they can toss to the players. They kept trying to, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, I get it. You know, it'd be awesome to have a game war, or like a, a jersey and get it signed by Dane Smith, Matt Vince, and Josh Byrne, right? You have like mm-hmm. three you know, top-end players signing a jersey like that. But realistically, what are the odds you're going to get that thing back in a pile of people? Yeah. So, I I mean, honestly, everybody's just going to fight over for it. Yeah, and the thing with that was, yeah, the fans were just going nuts. And, you know, again, I I, I don't blame them. Uh, Like, again, none of them really tried to climb the trucks or or get on the trucks or do anything along those lines. But, yeah, fans were just very passionate about the whole situation. And they were very uh, calm, cool, and collected um, in the moments. Obviously, everyone's going to be hyped up. I was cheering. My dad was cheering. Everyone around us was cheering just because, I mean, again, it's the first time in a very long time that that the younger generation of Buffalo fans have seen a championship and even, you know, the middle to older generation of Buffalo fans have seen a championship. So, I mean, again, it's going to be a very rowdy scene, but a respectful rowdy scene. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. That's why I got the feeling from from all the videos they released. Um, because yeah, I mean, the only problem that I had with the bandits celebration, it came on the game winning night, the, the big hoo-ha, I expected so much more confetti. And then there's just this little pile of confetti for the players that are just like sitting, making angels. And I'm like, you couldn't afford more pieces of paper to come flying from the rafters. Like, I, I don't think cutting up paper is that expensive or that hard uh that that was like my biggest problem with the celebration you can't have enough confetti man yeah i i mean sometimes the confetti makes the moment and i i don't know if they're just like oh that's from last year we we had that ready we're just gonna leave it up there we're not gonna do anything about it until we win this year you know what like i don't even remember how much confetti there was you actually are making me kind of think about it now right yeah because all I'm the major look. a lot of the major sports moments when you win a championship there is a whole bunch of confetti we know the nfl oh my god you can barely see through the camera on what they're panning on because of the confetti um nhl has some confetti but they do it really after because they don't it's, want it's it to ice. Be ice it's gonna stick yeah, and melt that's the exact reason uh mls does it um world cup does it i would think uh even the fa cup and uh who wins the premier league i i don't know much about uh dortmund or not dortmund uh more like la liga and uh ligun but yeah i don't know, really see any i i mean confetti no i mean they had confetti in their graphic yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's great championship. I mean, there. Yeah, you know what? I am seeing it now. There's not too much confetti on the field. I mean, no. Little... I was ready for like the whole thing to be covered in confetti. I was just like, okay, they got stuff from last year, and now they had it on from this year. Oh, it's just everybody's gonna be like piled up in confetti. And I remember seeing like players taking a little bit of the confetti. They would take three or four pieces. I'm like, usually. Players get like a whole bucket full, <laughs> like when when they're like doing the uh, 
the ring giveaway or whatever, kind of like the celebration part. Mainly, they get like a whole bucket of confetti. I think you would only have a handful for all those guys. Give them a little cup that says "Thank you for winning." <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that. I mean that makes sense. Um, I mean, you probably would have seen or like to see a little more confetti uh, from the NLL for the Buffalo Bandits and stuff. But honestly, at the same time, you probably had a lot of guys who were like, "Yeah, we don't really want to clean this up. We want to kind of just celebrate this thing and get out of here and celebrate, <laughs> have a good night." <laughs> So, I mean, maybe that was the reason why, because, uh, I mean, I know right after um, they won, they, they, you know, those guys were, those guys oh, they were, were partying. they were going yeah, crazy. I they mean, did not care about They were anything. everywhere. So, I mean, good, I, good for them. They deserve it. I mean, I remember I was working that night, and uh, I go over to Lucas Buckley, who was working the game, and he's like, guys, you got to be quiet when you come in. This guy has sworn like three times on air. Uh, because it was just an interview with one of the players. I don't remember which player it was, but he's like, he's like sworn three times. They did not care in the world anymore. They're like, screw it. We've just won a championship. It doesn't matter what you think anymore. We're going to have the time of our lives. Uh, and that will always be a memory that lives in my brain for forever and ever. But I want to move over to the NHL, and there were four major moves that the Sabres made, and um, one wasn't really a move they made, but a move that happened to them. Uh, of course, the Sabres signed three players. They signed Kyle Pozo, the your, your captain, not my captain, uh, for a one-year $2.5 million deal. Zemkis Gergensen, surprisingly, comes back also on a one-year $2.5 million deal. And then Lucas Ruzek gets a two-year deal for, I think, 900000 a year. And really the last move, which was a little bit of a shocker, but I understand why he wanted to move, was Rochester Amherst coach Michael Pekka, goes to the New York Rangers to join their coaching squad and be on his, the bench uh, instead of being an AHL coach. I mean, he's taking the next step forward to become an AHL coach, but I feel like it came at a the worst possible time because I, I think when you're looking for coaches, I you know, you got to find two coaches, especially with a – underlying coach um that's just kind of keeping players fresh for the major team you want to make sure that both coaches have the same understanding they they have the same uh thought process they have the same idea of what they want to do with processing them uh developing them uh, making them the best player they can be and i think that worked really well with granal and pekka because you could tell that when people like uh Ruzek come up and UPL and um, even when Hauser came up for that short time uh, two years ago now, you could tell there's just a, they they just feel like they're playing the same game they've always played. doesn't matter the level. And it's like, yeah, there may be a little change in the difficulty, but they're playing like they how they don't have like the first day jitters. They they try their best, you know, they give out all their line. It's not like they're making that many rookie mistakes. Of course, rookie mistakes will come, but, you know, 
some players are more prevalent than others, which we all know. And I, I think I, I'll give Granado and Pekka that, that they worked really well together to develop players, to talk to each other, to know who to bring up, to know who to take down. Um, and, and get a little bit of development on. I think Comrie, Comrie, we don't talk about it enough. He took an injury stink down in Rochester. He comes back and he has a couple of good games. Of course, he had a couple of bad games, but you got to look at the good games at the end of the day. He's a 500 goaltender. Right. So, I, I mean, what are your thoughts on the signings and Michael Pekka leaving? Yeah, I mean, I guess since, you know, we're talking about Rochester, we'll, I'll start with Pekka Leaving, who was the assistant coach uh, down in Rochester and, you know, takes his talents over to the New York Rangers uh, to become the assistant coach over there. First of all, good for Michael Pekka. Um, he's been a very solid assistant coach. Not, not more than solid. He's been a great assistant coach at Seth Appert uh, down in Rochester. And and when you, when you talk about, uh, you know, the, the free-flowing of coming from the AHL, the NHL, and, you know, maybe vice versa. Um, what's it called? Uh, Don Granado and Seth Appert kind of have the same identity of, of the game that they want to be played in both the AHL and the NHL. Um, Rochester runs the same system that the Buffalo Sabres do. I mean, give and take a little stylistic differences. You can almost kind of compare and contrast between Dayball and Dorsey for the Buffalo Bills. Um but they 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 kind of run this the same style. It's a free flowing offense. It's it's uh it's it's an offense that they want to push the pace. Um, you know, really be dangerous through the neutral zone. It's it's a free flowing style of hockey. Um, and that that's the way Rochester plays. And when I think that helps the players coming up from Rochester to Buffalo is that they play that style of game right. They play that style in the AHL, and they get super comfortable with it. And when they do make that change from the AHL to the NHL, there's no stylistic difference in their play. Now, the game's faster in the NHL. The game's more physical, um, and the game's more mentally different than from the AHL to the NHL. But just the, the overall style and offense from the Amherst to the Sabres is not too much different, and I really feel like that allows, you know, the Jack Quinns, the J.J. Paterkas, the, Lu- the Lucas Ro- Ruseks, um of the world, the Peyton Krebs of the world, to really figure, they, figure it out for themselves. And that's why we didn't really see a drastic... You know, a, a really, a really hard time for them figuring out the NHL game. It was more just little bits and pieces that they had to pick up along the way to to, to, fig, to figure out their puzzle. And you know, the puzzle still needs to be completed. Obviously, they still have a long time in their development to become the player that they could become. But it's not a struggle uh, because Seth Appert and Don Granado do a very good job of communicating to one another you know, from the NHL to the AHL of what needs to be done, what needs to be done in the AHL to bring these guys up to the NHL. And we've seen that success now with Seth Appert. Seth Appert. The last two seasons, Rochester's went on um, sensa- sensa- sensational playoff runs, and it has been something um, amazing to watch. And it's, it's, and it's only, you know, continuing up to the NHL level because we've seen teams uh, have a very good NHL franchise and a very poor AHL franchise or a very good AHL franchise and a very poor NHL franchise. But the way the Sabres and Amherst are doing things is 
you have a very successful AHL franchise right now in the Amherst, and right now you're having a very successful franchise in the Buffalo Sabres on the rise, right? And in both of those things together, this the Amherst are only going to continue to have the leaders and the veterans that they have down there and get you know, plenished with the prospects the Buffalo Sabres have because, again, it's, the, it's that connection. It's the Sabres connecting with the Amherst, and then the Amherst reconnecting with the Sabres. The Sabres are giving the Amherst these prospects, and then the Amherst are giving the, the Sabres back these prospects. And it also it always develops from from on and off the ice stuff. On the ice, you're getting the player that played in the AHL, and he's going to go play in that same system in the NHL, and then same, you're going to get a player off the ice from the Sabres, and he's going to go on the ice to the Amherst. So I think it's a really good two-way system down there. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the extensions... Uh, Rusek, I'm really cool with the Lucas Rusek um, signing. He's a player I actually really would like to see get a shot here in Buffalo. Um, I really liked his play one game with us last year. Rusek, yeah, yeah he played one game with us. He had two points. I think he had a goal. One or two, yeah. He had two points. I know he had a goal and an assist, scored in his first ever NHL game. Uh, I was at that one uh, again. I mean, he showed grit, he showed effort, showed heart. I mean, I know those are just generic sayings, but those are the sayings you want out of your fourth-line player. You want a guy that's going to go out there, and whether he's only playing 8 to 13 minutes a game, you want him to go out there and, and be battle-tested and, and be battle-ready and be ready to fight and ready to go out there and play a fourth-line role, and that's what Lucas Rusek showed um, in his one game up here with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, and then, you know, Zemgus Gergensen's... Um, I guess if you want a definitive consistency guy, that's Gergensen's. Uh, I think ever since 2019, barring the one season he missed, he's had 10 or more goals. Uh, he's been a defensive forward for the Buffalo Sabres on the fourth line. He plays the penalty kill. Uh, you know what you're going to get out of him. You know, you, you know you're going to get around just under or just over 10 goals. You know he's going to be a consistent defensive player. You know he's going to be a guy... That's going to give you 110% every night in the corners and and, and on the forecheck, on backcheck, in transition. You know what you're, you're going to get out of Zemgis Gerdinson. So I don't mind the signing. I guess you can maybe say it's a little bit of an overpay with a 2.5 for one year. But again, it's one year. The Sabres have cash to burn. So whether that's 800000 too much, you know, I mean, it, it, I'm not really going to get on on the Sabres for that. Uh, and then Kyle Poso, uh, the captain. Uh, he's back. Uh, he signed for 2.5 as well. Um, I, I don't mind Poso coming back. Um, I thought there was a chance that he could have stepped away from the game of hockey uh, on the ice and come as a, as a, a front office role. Uh, but he did not. Uh, he still has some gas left in the tank, and I mean, he was fine last year, and and he produced, and, and this is this is why I'm comfortable with Kyle coming back. I have to look up the exact point total he had last year, but I'm pretty sure he had what over 25 points on a, on the fourth line, and most of those points came at five on five. Uh, he had what or just around 10 goals, maybe a little under, maybe a little over, uh, and he produced around that 30 point range, and he did that a lot of a lot at five on five. Uh, and he didn't play much power play time, and that's fine. Uh, we know Oposo can play the power play. Uh, we saw it the year before, and we've seen it throughout his time in Buffalo. He's got a very lethal shot uh, from that right side. But, 
again, he's a fourth-line consistency guy. Uh, you know what you're going to get out of Kyle every night. Uh, obviously, he's a leader in the locker room. And to the front office and to John Granado, he was enough of an impactful player on the ice and enough of an impactful person in the locker room to bring him back for one more year. Um, so that's what I hope with Kyle. The only thing I don't want to see from Kyle next year is him completely lose it on the ice, and then it becomes one of those things where you're at game 45, right? You're at game 45 of the NHL season, and you're going to have to scratch your captain because he's just not good enough to play in the lineup. That's all you hope from Kyle Oposo. You just hope that he can make it for, through at least 65 to 75 games next year, if not more. If he makes it through a full 82, I'm cool with that. Um, but you don't want your captain to become a, a player where you can't play because his on-ice ability just isn't there. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm cool with Kyle coming back. I, you know, I mean, they're small moves. They're fourth line. I mean... They're impactful moves, but they're small. Um, haven't really disliked anything that is. Haven't really disliked or been super like, oh, what a move with anything the Sabres have done yet this offseason. I mean, it's just the smaller things they're doing right now. Right. Uh, you know, the only thing I'm really concerned about the Gergensen signing, I wasn't so concerned about Opozo re signing. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Leader coming back in the locker room. Okay, he gives you a good presence. But. Gergensen got me worried because then I started thinking of a certain center that we picked up randomly last season who turned out to be a big hit for the Sabres. Uh, Tyson Jost. I, I mean, was this the Sabres choosing Gergensen over Tyson Jost? Because there's not a lot of room left on the Sabres. And when you think about it, there's really, at most, I mean, what everybody's talking about and really one player is moving, and that's going to be Victor Olsen. I mean, even Victor Olsen's camp expects him to be moved. Uh, you know, that that's really bad when your own camp is like, ah, we expect to be traded. Okay, yep. Uh, especially with the draft just being in two days now, starting on Wednesday. I I mean, are, are they going to wait to sign Tyson Jost, or is just Tyson Jost off the team entirely? Um, just finish this conversation, and then we'll go to break. Yeah, sure. So, uh, just, 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 I guess my thing with the Tyson Jost situation. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's been known uh, between Kevin Adams and Tyson Jost's camp that he wants to come back. He wants to be a Buffalo Sabre. Um, but again, it, it's and this is the tricky situation from when it comes down to free agency. It's like the situation you're going to put said player in, the contract, and, and, and like just the, those overall um, factors. Like, first of all, what's the situation Joseph's going to be put in? Do we see Tyson Joseph being a third liner here? I don't, I don't think so. Not with the coming prospects coming in and... Uh, not with the players the Buffalo Sabres currently have on their roster and whatever return they can get for Olsen, you know. Um, Jost, I think, on this team is a fourth-liner. A fourth-liner that has a shot to play 50-plus games uh, on this team. Um, and the thing is, it's like if you bring Jost back, are we playing him over Gergensen's? And this isn't fans, this is Granado. Is Granado playing him over Gergensen's? I don't know. 
And you put the A on the guy. You're not sitting your assistant captain. You're not sitting a poso. You're definitely not sitting Peyton Krebs. You're calling up Lucas Rusek. You hope he make the, he'd make the roster. So I mean, what are your two what are your two forwards in your lineup if if Joe's three signs? I mean, what are your two lineup or your two forwards in your lineup that aren't playing every night? Is it Rusak and Jost? I mean, if if that happens, I'm fine with that. I, I I'm very cool with that depth. But realistically, I, I don't I don't see that happening. I think Jost uh, proved to himself that he's an NHL caliber forward. Whether that's on the Buffalo Sabers or not, I, I I for sure think this. I for sure think that Tyson Jost sees himself as an NHL forward. Um, Oh, playing, starting starting sixty five yeah. six sixty five games a season. It's not one of those situations where he signs and he's playing six games. He's sitting seven, playing six, sitting seven, stuff like that. No, he's playing seventy, sitting one or two. It's one of those things, and I don't think Joe is a guy that you want not on the ice. You want him on the ice. So I yeah, I hope he comes back. And again, it would probably be. A little less than a Zemgis Gurdjieffson's Kyle Oposo deal. It'll probably be a 1.8 one-year deal. Right. Um, and, you know, especially thinking about a former first-round pick. I mean, top 10 pick, even. Even if he was just number 10, he's still a top 10 pick. I, I mean, I think he proved to the NHL. I mean, especially after being on two good teams, um, or really successful teams in Minnesota and Colorado that coming to the Sabres, you know, was kind of an offshoot just to show the league that he can still play no matter where he is. And, you know, he can still produce no matter who the players are. I think he did that. I hope other teams look at him, but I I hope he comes back. I I would love Tyson Jost back. I don't mind, uh, you know, a fourth center, uh, a backup center, just you know, even if he doesn't want that, I would be fine with that. I'll I'll take it. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more NHL, uh, more NFL, more NBA, more MLB, more MLS because of one certain person uh, and more soccer on the way. Keep listening to the Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY. And we're still talking about the NHL, but during a little hiatus, our, our own little Evan Harrington got into, got into a little interviewing mode. He got into a pre-draft interview with, uh, what, first-round uh, projected prospect Quinn Musty. Yeah, uh, Quinn Musty, local kid from Hamburg, uh, grew up uh, in Buffalo, uh, played for the Junior Sab- Buffalo Junior Sabers uh, throughout you know his younger teenage years, and then uh, when he was 16 years old, uh, he got drafted first overall to the OHL, and he's played the last two seasons in the OHL for the Sudbury Wolves, uh, recording uh, 109 points in a 103 games over there, and he's a projected first round pick. Uh, in the 2023 NHL draft, um, there's a chance he can go all the way in, in the middle of the first, maybe a little higher, uh, depending on what teams like him and 
you know whatever whatever situation falls there and there's a chance he can you know fall to the to the later first round uh he's projected everywhere he's projected from 11th to 14th to 17th all the way to 25th 28th so he can really go anywhere but he is a projected first round pick from buffalo and i did have the chance to sit down the other day and interview the projected first round pick quint musty with the first pick in the first round of the 2021 OHL priority selection, the Sudbury Wolves select Quinton Muskie. From- Quinton Muskie stood up for me. Uh, th- this young man, six foot two, he's about 185. Pa- or, sorry, he's about 205 pounds. He's already got the National Hockey League body. Plays for the Sudbury Wolves of the OHL. Holmes and now Sudbury could have numbers coming back in transition. Musty cutting inside out on Thunder. What a pass! They score for. His second of the game off an absolutely delicious feed from Quinton Musty. What a gorgeous goal by Sudbury. I'm lined up. Here's to Grazia. Over to Musty. Open ice for Musty. He scores. And it's another goal for Quinton Musty. He's got 37 points in his last 19 games, and he gives the Wolves the lead again. And suddenly rink wide pass with the in shoot scores. Oh, what a shot from Quinton Musty. What is going on, everyone? My name is Evan Harrington. I am here with Quentin Musty outside of the Sabres Arena on a nice day in Buffalo. Quentin, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. All right. So we're going to get into a lot of stuff covering you. Obviously, the NHL draft is just right around the corner. You just finished up the NHL Combine, and you had a really good season you know, in the OHL. But talking about the OHL, kicking things off, in two seasons there, you have 109 points in 103 games. Just talk about your two seasons so far in Sudbury. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely going in the first year, you're playing against you know older competition. They're you know bigger and faster and stronger, so just kind of adjusting to that kind of play style and just kind of growing your game from there is you know the first year you know not being your draft year is a good year to kind of you know develop yourself in that league and you know try and become one of the better players and then yeah the second the second year was just you know figuring it out a little more and you know obviously that leads to more success so it was a it was a better year for me last year but yeah that's pretty much you know how it's been going from year one to year two what were some things that you know got you to that point to become a better player yeah i think just uh you know having that confidence in yourself that you know you could play in that league and you know be be a good player and uh yeah just kind of learning you know how to play in that league you know you're not playing against you know kids your age anymore you're playing against you know like i said older guys and you know just trying to find out you know how to be successful in that league and i think uh you know the more you play in it the, the better you're going to do is pretty much how it goes all right you've had a ton of success uh, in the ohl so far just a favorite memory playing for sudbury so far yeah i mean uh probably this year i mean uh you know, we didn't make the playoffs the first year and yeah just making the playoffs with you know that group is great and you know seeing all the fans in there for you know playoff hockey has probably been my my favorite memory uh, so far so i hope to get to do it again next year so a lot of guys take different routes you know going to the nhl you chose the ohl route why the ohl route and what has that done for your success so far yeah i think just uh you know just intrigued me i know uh you know a lot of guys from the states go the college route but um yeah, just, uh, you know, it's the what I think is the closest thing to the NHL. Just, uh, you know, the schedule, you're playing 70 games, and then, uh, yeah, you're just, you know, 
had the lifestyle of a pro pretty much going to the rink in the morning you know going to the rink twice a day just uh, kind of that lifestyle and that schedule I thought was the closest thing to you know the NHL and I don't make that decision so being a Buffalo guy what does that mean to you that you're going to be able to represent the city of Buffalo you know going to the NHL yeah I mean it's great I mean uh, you know around here Patrick Kane you know was always a role model for you know younger kids uh, playing hockey in this group in this uh, area and I think just uh, you know kind of being one of those guys for you know younger kids to look up to from uh, kind of my, my town and you know the area of Buffalo is gonna be it's gonna be great I have a lot of guys uh, even you know some older guys that you know I skate with now that are you know good role models to me and even kids my age like Gavin McCarthy is up for the draft as well and yeah just bouncing things off him uh, learning about his habits and stuff and yeah Everyone's pretty much around here. It's been a great role model for me. And speaking about other guys bouncing ideas off, have, has anyone from the NHL or anyone you know that is in the league already just kind of giving you some tips, getting ready for the draft? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think uh, you know in the OHL you play with a lot of you know high end players and been to you know, NHL camps and. Uh, yeah, just uh, kind of learning from those guys who have, you know, met, you know, the Sidney Crosbys and, the, you know, Jordan Everly's of, you know, where they play. It's just been, you know, great to, you know, hear what they're doing, you know, off the ice and on the ice just to, you know, be a pro and get better. It's, yeah, it's great to have those guys to bounce ideas off of. All right, sticking with two quick Buffalo questions. Since you are a Buffalo boy, um, drums or flats? Uh, flats for sure. All right, now you speak of flats, what is the, you know, the go-to wing spot in Buffalo for Quint Musky. Yeah, I live down in uh, Hamburg, so pretty close to East Aurora, so probably Barbell. Uh, actually went there yesterday. One of my buddies from Canada's in town, and you know had to take them there. So, what's your uh, go-to order at Barbell? Uh, I usually get the lemon pepper. Those are good. So. Uh, the NHL Combine was a bit ago. How was that experience for you getting ready for the draft? Yeah, it was great. It was uh, you know a long week of you know you know a lot of a lot of media stuff and you know a lot of talking and you know obviously the testing as well. But yeah, I had a great time seeing you know guys I grew up playing against and you know just those guys seeing that we're all in the same spot is you know pretty cool to see and yeah just uh, it was a great experience all around so obviously the combine you know kind of could be a little bit of a stressful time for a lot of you know the young guys going to the nhl but you know some fun moments in there doing the combine drills you have a favorite or least favorite combine drill that you had to do yeah i like the uh the wind gate test it's just uh 30 seconds hard on the bike and yeah just pushing yourself to you know continue to you know, have that pace, and yeah, there's a guy yelling at you as well, which is you know always fun. That's always just fun. getting the best out of you. So, all right, and how has the process been meeting with teams so far, going up to the NHL draft? Yeah, it's definitely you know, it's a cool experience. You know, talking to NHL teams when you know your dream was you know since you were a little kid was to you know play in the NHL. It's definitely a pretty surreal experience, but um, yeah, just kind of staying calm through it all and realizing that you know this is pretty much job interviews now. So yeah, yeah it's a uh, it's pretty pretty great experience but just staying level-headed and you know trying to you know let them get to know you has been the, the biggest thing for me and speaking of getting to know you for the people who don't know who Quentin Musty is what is you know something that you can you know tell them and share to them for on ice and off ice for Quentin Musty yeah I think just a uh, really competitive guy just uh, you know like to win and yeah I think that's the biggest thing just uh, you know trying to do what you know you can do to you know help your team win and just uh, make the game easier on your teammates so like that in real life too just uh, you know with my family and stuff so yeah all right awesome i just want to say thank you quint musty for coming out and giving me a few minutes of your time outside of the sabers arena as you are preparing for the nhl draft and i just want to say myself wish you the best of luck man and wherever you do go best of luck there you know thanks for having me i appreciate it all right thank you
That was our own Evan Harrington doing a little interview. I, I mean, how did you get this interview in the first place? Because, I, I mean, getting a first round, projected first round pick is, I, I assume, not that easy. <laughs> um, Sorry, I was having a, a, a gummy. He's and, hungry. Yeah, Juicy Burst, the, the gummies. And, man, one's kind of, yeah. Um, so... The way I got the interview was is pretty simple. I mean, obviously he's from Buffalo. It's again like everyone kind of knows someone in Buffalo, and I I I was kind of mutual friends with him uh, through someone, and we were just at a you know a place, kind of just talked for a little bit, um, exchanged info, and it just kind of went from there. And you know, it was a you know pretty cool uh, you know thing for myself, and, and, and he enjoyed it for you know. From the media side of it, he told me, you know, enjoy do he enjoys doing the media and stuff. He's been doing it for the last two years in the OHL, so nothing really new to him. But you know, it's pretty cool for myself to kind of say that you know I was able to to do this this interview with uh, such a high profiled athlete. And uh, when Quentin Musty goes on to the NHL, and hopefully he has a very long and excellent career, I could say that I was one of the first people to have a more professional style interview uh with Quentin Musty and and I you know looking back at it the interview went really quick it, he he was only in my you know vicinity for probably less than 12 minutes just you know pull up to the spot interview really quick and you know he was on his way you know, he was coming from a workout um but you know, he's really, really awesome. He's you know a really good guy, and you know it, it went really good. And then when when I had a, the, the chance to sit down to to edit it, um, and I also got help putting this together from uh, someone who helps me shoot videos for Buffalo State Hockey, uh, Peter McGowan, Pete Prada on Instagram. Uh, he helped me put this together as well. So I wouldn't have been able to put it together without the help of him. Um, but you know, when when editing it and going over it, you know. Choosing the, the the slight background music, uh, the intro clips, the the highlight packages together, uh, the font to put over it. How do I want to edit it? Do I want to do this? Do I want to make it more complicated than it needs to be? Um, you know, it took me a few hours to put together, but overall, I thought it really came together nicely. And it was something, you know, that when I look back on my summer and stuff I got to do, it's definitely one of the cooler things I got to to do, even. You know, even if it's just sitting down talking to someone, you know, it's still cool that, you know, myself being in the hockey world, being able to, uh, you know, talk to someone that has a shot to really, you know, go far in the NHL. I I mean, uh, you know, just because that you did an interview with him, I, I now believe he's better than Connor Bedard. He's going number one overall. Uh <laughs> I, I could care less about what all the experts say. They're not experts. Evan Harrington interviewed this guy. All right? He's going number one. I have insider info. I, I just know it. He's going number one. He's now, going number one. News here first. Quick must <laughs> go number one overall in the 2023 NHL draft. But, we know. Yeah, but um, no, overall, I mean, everyone who listens to, you know, 91.3 FM WBNY is more likely than not from Buffalo. In the Buffalo area, maybe we got a couple Canadians listening, but at the end of the day, you know, most of our listeners are from Buffalo, and this is the first, 
You know, it's the first time in a long time that Buffalo's really had um, a guy to this magnitude go very highly in the NHL draft. Obviously, we, we all know Patrick Kane. We know the success that that guy had in the NHL, and obviously he's from Buffalo himself. Uh, but then, again, Quinn Musty, he's been in the news for a long time, for the last, you know, five years of his life. Guy had an agent at 13 years old. Uh, he was projected to be great uh, very early in his teenage life. And then, obviously, getting drafted to the OHL at 16. A lot of pressure on the guy's shoulders, on the kid's shoulders. Um, and he had a great, you know, supporting cast around him, whether that's, you know, his family, his friends, uh, his coaches, whoever. Um, you know, helping him, guide, guiding him in the right direction and, you know, getting to him, getting to the point where he is now. And that's um, hopefully going to be a game-changing player uh, in the NHL and for whatever franchise that he does get uh, drafted to. So overall, it was a great experience. And, you know, maybe I may have a few more run-ins with, you know, Quentin Musty over the years, uh, interviews and stuff. But, um, it's it, it, again, it's, it's cool to kind of check off for myself personally, for my bucket list, like NHL player interview, and it, again, I, I again, I doesn't matter where you know guys can draft, it could be seventh round, undrafted, wherever. It's again, it's just cool just to you know check that off NHL interview. Um, and again, it was awesome to interview Quinn Musty, a guy guy from Buffalo, and it's just cool to see him represent the city, you know, the way he, he's about to do. I mean, from the range you were talking about, from uh, you said from 11 to 17, um, where he's projected to go, I, I mean, that puts the Sabres in a position to draft him at number 13. There's the Canucks, Coyotes, then the Sabres, and this is in order from 11 to 17. Then after Sabres is Pittsburgh, Nashville, Calgary, and then it ends with Detroit. So there's a very good possibility that we will either – see him in Buffalo or we're going to see him on the West coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just going over some, uh, websites and, uh, uh, draft websites that have, uh, musty ranked, uh, NHL central scouting has him 14th, uh, among North American skaters, future considerations has him 24th elite prospects. That's probably the most known, um, or one of the most known, has him at 11th. Peter Baricci's April rankings had him at 28th. Logan Horn's March rankings had him at 26th. Uh, Smot's rank, or scouting had him at 21st. Bob McKenzie had him at 26th. Uh, Dober Prospects had him at 15th, and Recruit Scouting had him at 25th. So again, he's kind of bouncing all over the place on a lot of, you know, scouting boards and, uh, you know, draft rankings, but there's a chance he could fall to Buffalo. Now, myself, personally, I, w I would love to see Quentin Musty in Buffalo. I, I think it would just be awesome uh, for himself, you know, being going to a place so similar. Um, and just for the city, just to have a local kid like that. Uh, but overall, I mean, Buffalo, do they need another winger? Not really. Could they use someone of his caliber? Sure. I mean, he's a six foot two, 205-pound uh, power forward. You would love to have that in your organization. Do I think we need that? Probably not at this point in time. Uh, but again, whatever team gets him, you're getting a guy that was a future or a former first overall pick in the in the OHL, right? First overall pick in the OHL. It's the same league Connor McDavid played in. 
right? I mean, it, it, it's it's a very, very high-end junior league. It is probably the, the best junior league out there. And for him to be the first pick there uh, and continue to do what he's doing, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty good. Um, and again, there's I'm pretty sure he's got to go back to juniors for one more year after this, so he's going to have to play another year in Sudbury. Uh, but that's fine. I mean, you know, for his development-wise, uh, for the organization he goes to and for himself, I think it's only going to continue his growth. Um, and then he's, you know, he's got a chance to be a very good NHLer. Um, I will say Musty is a little, he is a little boomer bustish. What I mean by that is not boomer bust in the sense where if he doesn't boom, he's going to be a terrible NHL player. I'm saying that his ceiling is very high. If he hits his ceiling, he's going to be a top six forward on, on any team, right? He'll be a top six forward. But if if he doesn't boom to the caliber that he could, I mean, he's probably a guy that you can throw in your top six, but he'll probably be a top nine forward, and he'll still be a very good player to have in your organization. But I think his his potential's there. His potential is is up um, higher than most prospects in the, in this draft. Um but it's just if he can hit that ceiling, and if he does, he's gonna have a he's gonna have a pretty good on and on and off uh, the ice NHL career. Now, Evan, can you name? I mean, we've been talking about Quentin Musty for the past like ten, twenty minutes almost. Could you name any other players who could who got drafted, who played or was born in Buffalo? Oh. I mean, other than Patrick Kane, because he said Kane before, so I'll give you that one. Well, Coletta was Buffalo. Coletta, yep. Are we counting just Buffalo area, or like, uh, give or take a couple What I hours? have is NHL players from Buffalo, New York. That's all I got for you. Oof. Can you give me, do, you, do I have draft years? Um, let's see. I can, well, um, I can make it a little. Gavin McCarthy? He's getting drafted. Pretty sure he's not. He's he's in the draft class with Musty. Ah uh, man, Buffalo born players, and, and they they don't even have to have scored a point in the NHL. Man, I'm probably bad with this. Probably should know this. Uh, the Felino brothers. No, oh, yeah, obviously the Felinos, Marcus and Nick. I don't know why I'm forgetting that. Um, Mike Felino. Mm-hmm. Um, their father. There was uh, one player from Buffalo who got drafted in the seventh round, 164th overall, by the New York Rangers in the 1993 Yeah, I'm not getting that. I'm not getting that. Uh, Um, I know the Sabres uh, drafted a guy who played for the Junior Sabres, I believe, in the third round. There actually is a a player on the Sabres who uh, was born in Buffalo, or is from Buffalo, who's Uh, on the team right now. He was a 2020 or 2020. I think he was a 2021 draft pick, though, right? Uh, 2020? Third round pick, though. 2013. Ooh, 2013? He's been on the team for a while. He's still... 2013. I believe he's in the AHL still. He's in the Sabres organization. Yep. It's not Ethan Prow, is it? It is not. 2013. Uh, Sean Malone. Is, uh, Sean Malone. It, it's Sean Malone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what it was. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Like, man, who's still in Buffalo from the organization? 
Sean Malone, yeah, he's a player as well that you know we keep bringing back and stuff. Um, for good reasons. I mean, the assistant captain in Rochester, um, it's been pivotal for those playoff runs. He's been a you know an excellent leader. Other players drafted from Buffalo. Are there any other draft years? Uh, there is one from 2013, again, drafted by the New Jersey Devils in oh. the fourth round, 100th overall, perfect 100. I'm, I, I wouldn't know. Uh, Miles Wood. Oh, Miles Wood, 44, number 44. Man, he's a, he's a frustrating player to play against. Miles Wood. Uh, yeah, uh, he's been a staple for the Devils for the last two seasons. I completely forgot he's from Buffalo. I've probably, you know what, thinking about it now, I've heard... You know, Brian Duff, Marty Baron, Generat, Rob Ray, one of those guys have said Miles Wood, Buffalo native. But I don't think of Miles Wood as Buffalo. I think Miles Wood is the guy that I don't like playing against when we play New Jersey. Uh, and then there's one more that is still active. A lot of others are, of course, inactive by this time. Uh, but there's one more that's active. Uh, drafted by Chicago Blackhawks, third round, 91st overall, 2015. Uh, he was drafted by Chicago. He now plays for Calgary. He played 26 games for them last season. I what who? Dennis Gilbert. Okay, yeah, Gilbert. Yeah, uh, not too familiar with Dennis Gilbert. I've heard the name, but I'm not gonna not gonna sit here and say I, I uh, I'm a big follower of Dennis Dennis Gilbert's game. Uh, Miles Wood was probably one I should have had, <laughs> but I you know obviously. Stumbled on that one, but yeah, Dennis Gilbert. You know, I've heard your name, uh, but haven't. Just, yeah, again, I don't. I just don't connect Dennis Gilbert to Buffalo. I mean, I connect them again more as one of those guys where I just kind of hear his name. Yeah, I. I mean, there there are a couple of players who've had success from Buffalo. I mean, I'm I'm glad there will be another two added, correct, to that list uh, who will at least be able to show off their skills uh, and work their way up. But, uh, oh, we have breaking news. Uh, uh, I don't have breaking news music. Breaking news music. I need breaking news music. Uh, (laughs) uh, No, we're not going to do breaking news music. I don't have it. Uh, But there has been a trade with the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, The... Boston Bruins get the rights to RFAs Ian Mitchell and Alec Regula, Regula, sorry, Regula, and to the Blackhawks, they get Taylor Hall and the rights to Nick Foligno. No salary is retained by Boston. It is a pure salary cap dump to clear $6 million off of the Bruins bucks. That is a Big trade for the Blackhawks, especially thinking that, oh, yeah, what do they have in just a couple of days? Oh, yeah, they're on the clock. They're taking Kyra Bedard. Uh, I think everybody knows that. Or Quinn Musty. Very very good possibility. Um, but, you know, with both Kane leaving and uh, Taze playing his last games, uh, Taze really retiring due to injury. Um didn't really have the great year last year just due to his back uh, not being right. But to get Taylor Hall and the and to have Nick Foligno and ha- at least have the chance to sign him before anybody else, 
you know, that is huge. Because now you're not only thinking, okay, not only do I have a number one center coming in, I have a good first line or second line center, doesn't matter where he plays, and Nick Foligno, no matter his age. And now I have a starting winger, a a really good first line winger who's played on the second line of Boston. Um, What a move by the Blackhawks to not even give up any picks either. I mean, this was just, please, take them. We need money. (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean, the Blackhawks gave up two younger prospects um, to get Nick Foligno and Taylor Hall. Uh, You know, the thing with that there is, uh, I mean, Foligno, you know, 35 years old. I wouldn't go as far as saying he's a first-line center. I mean, you know, he put up 27. He's still a, a very solid player. I mean, he put up 26 points in 60 games this year playing the third line for Boston. So he's, for Chicago's sake, he could be a viable middle six forward for them. Uh, a guy that you're going to bring in for, for, for leadership, excellent leadership and, and mentorship to a young squad. Um, Taylor Hall probably will end up playing first line. Uh, maybe the first line probably will be Bedard, uh, uh, Anthony Sioux, and, and Taylor Hall. I wouldn't go as far as saying Taylor Hall is a, First line winger, uh, I'd say Taylor Hall's a very solid second line winger at this point of his career. Um, a very, you know, I, I'd say he's a very solid, yeah, you know, second line winger. He's gonna put up 60, 60 to seventy five points uh, given the role. If he's on the first line for the Blackhawks, maybe he hits a point per game mark playing with Bedard. Maybe he, you know, gets you know to eighty points. There's a chance he does just because he's given more of a role, more ice time. Uh, that stuff said, um, I, I like this move for Chicago. Uh, and I, I don't think it's anything crazy. I mean, you're giving up a couple guys who don't have a ton of NHL experience uh, for it. But you, you're bringing in proven talent. And I think you're bringing in proven talent to a young team and that I think needs an identity shift. I, I think they're going through one. Losing Kane, losing Taze. Um I think this is a much needed move for Chicago. I don't. I don't mind it. It's uh, definitely a shocking move. Uh, I I get why Boston's going to do it, but this is this is this is a great move for the Sabers. <laughs> Boston getting yeah, rid of get, Boston get getting rid of, of Felino, getting rid of Taylor Hall. Uh, we don't know the current status of Bergeron. Uh, no. the, you know Boston's going to have to sign some guys back. So again, it was a cap move, like it was, like you mentioned. Um, because yeah, good for Chicago. This now umpster. Uh, cap space from 4.9 million to 10 million uh but they only have a roster of 14 uh right now so yeah that means they have to sign a couple of players to get to that uh you know you can put a team together with those players uh but what's funny about Nick Foligno this is from cap friendly uh that you know his active contract with the Bruins he had a 16-team no-trade list. So they found one team that was not on his trade list and said, okay, here you go. You can take him because, you know, you have the cap space and you're, you're good for it. Uh, I Wow. I, I mean, I'm not, we're, I'm not used to breaking news. This is, like, amazing. Uh, but for the Sabres, I mean, this is get rid of two 
key players who have been on you know Boston's second and third line, especially Taylor Hall, one of the guys you traded to Boston not too long ago. Um, I mean, even Taylor's Hall contract included a 10-team no-trade list. Uh, probably one of them was the Sabres, but we're, you know, that is expected when you trade them away. Uh, of course, Hall only had, he had 31 points in 61 games, and then Felino had 26 in 60 games. So, yeah, I, it depends what version of Taylor Hall you're going to get, you know. Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall on a, um, Taylor Hall on a team where he's going to get more ice time and more opportunities on the power play and uh, on the first, second line. Yeah, he's going to put up more points than he normally would, um, and that, and that's fine. And, uh, but, I mean, you're not getting anything crazy with Hall and Felino. You're getting solid players. Hall, you know, could put up 60 to 70. I mean, given the opportunity, he could reach 80 if, you know, playing with Bedard. Um, I, again, I just, I just, I mean, good trade for the Blackhawks, I guess. I mean... Again, it's not like you gave up any crazy prospects. I mean, you gave up a you know a guy who's twenty two and a guy who's twenty four years old. It's not like they they had crazy NHL success. Very very small. So again, yeah, good for the good for the Blackhawks. I would think uh, you're just lucky to you know uh, be able to get that trade and. We're, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have Joe Kelly on the phone. And we're going to talk some Bills, more Sabres, uh, MLB, soccer if we want to. I mean, we, we can go all over the board here. We've been off so long. So keep listening to The Blitz on 91.3 FM. On 91.3 FM, WBNY, my name's still Double D, I'm still joined by Evan Harrington, and now we add a Mr. Buffalo Ian, Joe Kelly. How are you, Joe? Hey, fellas, how's it going? Not bad, how about yourself? Oh, not too shabby, not too shabby, it's good to be back, it's been a while. It has been way too long. Who is that? Who did I hear just murmur that? Mr. Mr. Evan Harrington, right there. Oh, oh! I sorry, I thought it was Frank the Tank. We haven't seen him in a while, but you know, well, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen. I I've really only seen you at work, Joe. <laughs> I know. Man. So we haven't seen much of each other this summer. No, not on the Blitz, at least. But yeah, it, in conclusion, I digress. It's good to be back. Uh, we're now shifting gears. To the NFL, of course. Gotta play the CBS theme. Best theme. Me and Joe Best have agreed one. on that Best multiple times. Uh, and, you know, because we took such a long break, we, we, we have a lot of old things to talk about. And one of the old things is the Ed Oliver signing. Uh, back Way back when, when he signed for four more years. And I, I think this was one of the players that some people want traded. Some people wanted him to stay. Some people just didn't know what they were going to do with him. Uh, 
But in the end, he gets a new deal. He gets to stay around. Uh, he's really going to be the defensive tackle leader for years to come, at least for right now. I mean, what are your thoughts uh, way back when, when Ed Oliver got signed? Me? Yeah. Joe, kick it off with you. You're just joining Joe, the show. Joe, go first. All right, all right, all right. So when Ed Oliver got re-signed, it was kind of one of those man moments for me. I don't know, like mid is probably the best way to put it. I just wasn't feeling too excited, but I wasn't, like, super disappointed. He hasn't proved himself, though, and that's kind of scary. They're expecting him to take a Tremaine-level, I guess. They're they're expecting him to have Tremaine Edmonds' level of progression, but they're already paying him. So, like, where's the incentive to do that when you're already getting paid the big bucks? So, I don't know. This could backfire. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I think it has a possibility of backfiring. I'm not saying it's for sure going to, but, I mean, just because he hasn't really – I was excited when we drafted him, but he hasn't really shown what we've expected out of him since he's been drafted. So, I don't know. I I think it's kind of just an okay move that could could really work out. Keyword there is could and uh, may not. So, that's kind of – that's my take on it, I guess. Um, So, yeah, I mean, at first uh, when I saw that Twitter notification pop up on my phone – Buffalo Bills extend defensive tackle Ed Oliver. I I was kind of shocked just because out of Tremaine Edmonds and and Ed Oliver, I thought Edmonds would have been the guy to get extended. But obviously, he elected to go to Chicago for more money. He got his his bag and his paycheck over there. So there always was a, a thought and possibility that Ed might get an extension with the Bills just because obviously he was lesser expensive than Tremaine and you can you know get him for uh, a more relatively cheaper contract but when I saw the Oliver contract happen and then the price side I was like wow at first I was like wow look at the contract but then I you know started reading a little bit and started looking at it it, it was a, it was a cap move to save the bills a little bit of cap space and that ended up bringing in Leonard Floyd because that move saved about, what, $7 million in cap space, give or take? Yeah, and right Al- about there. Yeah, the Oliver extension saved about $7 million, And that $7 million allowed the Bills to go out and put $7 million plus dollars towards Leonard Floyd. And, and, and if and the stuff like moves like that, I like. Because you're bringing in more talent. You're bolstering up the, the, you know, the defensive line. Now, the thing with that Oliver, he's been relatively fine in his NFL career so far. He hasn't really made the jump uh to what, you know, we want him to be. Um but when you look at this contract and you look at the other defensive tackles around the NFL, when this contract does kick in, let's just say Oliver doesn't take the jump. Let's say he gets a little bit better next year just cuz that's just natural progression in the NFL. Players become better every single season. Uh Let's just say Oliver doesn't become the player that we want that we want him to become. Well, you know, Oliver's maybe a slightly little overpaid, but you have a guy under contract at least, right? You have a guy under contract because he's the only defensive tackle you have under contract going into next season. So you have him under contract. But if he does boom to the player that he could become, this contract looks like a good deal. It looks like a solid bargain from Brandon Bean, the Bills standpoint. Overall, I think it was just a move to get a guy under contract. If he 
becomes the player he becomes, then the contract looks really good for the Buffalo Bills. And if he doesn't, if he's just a very good, or if he's just a really solid starting defensive tackle for the next few seasons, then okay, you got a guy under contract. What's what's wrong with that? Uh, but I do want to see Ad Oliver, um, you know, play one full season at his natural position, not playing the Daquan Jones and Puna Ford role and the Tim, you know, that's why you got Daquan Jones. You had you brought in a guy like Puna Ford, so Ed Oliver can not have to take on double teams every single time, and he can just play one on one inside. That's what I want to see from Ed Oliver, and I think well, I should- think I think Leonard Floyd could help with that too, because now you're going to have more than just Russo and Vaughn as threats on the edge, and you're going to have to pull coverage out there on the line. So I think that'll help too. Well, I think the big thing was that Oliver had pretty good production right until Von Miller got hurt. And I think that's when, you know, offenses realized, hey, now we can start kind of doubling up on people. We can start to slow the Bills defensive line down, which makes sense. You don't have Von Miller. Von Miller is one of the best in the game, at least as an edge rusher. Um, you know, it, it makes sense why you're, you're, uh, a lot more the decline of players happen instead of, you know, the same production we expect all year. Um, really, what I think what the Leonard Floyd deal was is to, I, I mean, of course, uh, Leonard Floyd was signed by the Bills for one year, $7 million deals, as the guys keep mentioning uh, a little bit later down the line. But, I really think he's going to play the Von Miller role of here, double team me, double team me, bring it over here. Like, come on, leave Ed alone, leave Daquan alone. Let them work one-on-ones. Cover me as much as you can. Um, especially with Von kind of rushing to get back. I think this is the way the Bills are saying, hey, slow it down a little bit. We'll be okay. You come back when you're ready. We need you to come back when you're ready and fully ready. Not like this, I can play through it. I'm fine. The the recovery's going faster than I expected. No, 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 no. Let's not. Remember, we signed you to a six-year deal. And three of those years, we basically have you until we make a team decision on, you know, do we want to keep going with you? Do we not? Do we want to just end the deal here? Uh because even though we signed him for six years, only three of those are really like, we won't talk about it. We're going to have you for those three years for sure. The The next three years are like, okay, you can stay if you want. You're getting older, but this deal's here for you. You know, if you want to retire, you can retire. You can do whatever you want, you know. But, like, these three years are supposed to be years. You are full force, full throttle, full aggression, Full everything, knocking everything out of the hands of whoever you're facing. And I I think they want to make sure he's perfectly healthy. Um, you know, if if this was year four or five of the deal, maybe they are rushing for him to get back. Because why not? He wants to play. Let's get him back to playing level. Uh, but you don't want to rush this. You know, you're still in the good time window of winning a championship. There's no super long rush. Um I think there's rush for some fans to get Sean McDermott out of the building, but we know that's also not happening with him signing an extension through 2027 with Brandon Bean. And 
you know, what's funny is that I believe Sal Capaccio did some digging on this, and this was the day after they announced... um, Man, there's so much stuff that sometimes I lose my mind in it. Who was named uh, assistant coach just recently? Eric Washington. Eric Washington. Thank you. I lost his name in my mind. Um, And the Bills also brought in Al Holcomb. Right. And a lot of people were not mad at Eric Washington getting a promotion. They were more mad at John McDermott giving him a promotion. Uh, You know, I, I think that it was smart to come out when it did because everybody's like, oh, what if he's not it? You know, we can't do too much more of this, you know, losing in the conference or, you know, losing in the the semis. Like, we can't we can't do that anymore. We got we got to go all the way at some point. But that's not the mindset of Terry Pagula. Terry is in it for the long run. He does not care how long it is. I would not be shocked if he's going to get the Bill Belichick treatment and – you tell me me when you want to go. You 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 tell me if you and, feel like there is an impasse and we cannot do it anymore. Please tell me and, and we will do something. But I I think it's one hundred percent McDermott's team and it will be McDermott's team for as long as he's here. And Terry does not care what the fans have to say about firing. Well, this- especially with their extension too, all the way through twenty twenty seven. So I think that you know they're they're really saying like. This guy, they these two have been winning. They have a winning record. If McDermott has another winning season, he he beats Marv Levy's most winningest head coach record. That's all he has to do. And I'm so, pretty well, sure if he what has like ten more to averages ten ten wins throughout yeah. the, throughout this contract, he'll tie Levy for the most wins as Buffalo coach. And there's definitely a chance he will average more than ten wins uh, a season. I mean, he can honestly go win thirteen every single year. I think some people will still be mad. And, and, How can we only win 13 games? Do you remember when we were 6-10? and 10? Do we want to go back down that route? <laughs> How about um, there, was, there was a time, there was a point in time that I vaguely remember a 3-13 and 13, um, or something oh along those lines yeah, way, back, way back in the day before even Doug Marone. But, I mean, come on. Like, it's surprising to see Dan talking such positives about a team that hasn't won a championship and, with a head coach. Holy cow. And you think you could be like this with the Sabres, but I guess not. And, and this they haven't is, made the playoffs yet, Joe. Tell me when the Sabres made the playoffs. Um, and, and the thing that I, you know, some Buffalo fans have to realize is the quote, the Buffalo Bills can't win. Over the last three seasons, there's only been two teams to reach the divisional round or farther. It's the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's been two years, guys. It's been two years. It's really been two years since the Bills have cemented themselves as a, as a team that should be in the Super Bowl conversation every single year. It was three years ago that the Buffalo Bills broke onto the scene. This hasn't been eight years. It hasn't been nine years. It's been two. It's been two years. And you can make an argument for one of those years that the Bills <laughs> got, got unlucky. You can make an argument. They got unlucky. They had everything in place to make a run at the Super Bowl in 2021, but it didn't happen. And I think there's a lot of teams that always end up in that way of, oh, there should be a chance they make a run or they shouldn't make it to the playoffs. I mean, 
Do we remember the San Diego Chargers with the number one offense and the number one defense and somehow they don't even make it to the playoffs? Excuse me? Like, there's there's been worse luck. I mean, yeah, we've had bad luck in games, but I, I mean, I'm still happy with 13 wins a season. I'm still happy with being in the playoffs and being able to talk about being in the playoffs in January and Fe- and if we ever get to February. I, I mean, I, I just think it's an amazing thing and that, you know, some fans are impatient. Uh, I don't know why. I, I mean, if you supported a team through a drought through 17 years and you're impatient through, what, six, what is this, McDermott's now fifth or sixth season as the Bills head coach. So you're telling me you could be patient during 17 years of being mediocre and being a joke to the league, but you can't handle five seasons of being a good team and winning games and playoffs? That makes no sense to me. That makes no sense to me. I, I, I mean, we have one of the best fan bases, but we, I, I think this can go for all Buffalo sports. We also have one of the most demanding fan bases. Uh, we, we just want to see us win. And that's like the the main goal. If we do not win, it's a failure. Uh, sometimes, but uh, yeah, I, I've, never, I've never heard a more accurate representation of your feeling towards the Sabers. I'm going to be honest. With you. <laughs> you're kind of, you're kind of nailing yourself on the I've, head there. I've, I've I've seen uh, before. I got to head out in about a minute or two here. But staying on the conversation of fans, I have been to Sabers games where we are winning like two to one. Halfway through the third. I've seen us even points in times winning with the other team's goalie pulled. And there's still fans complaining about the way we played in a win. And they're complaining about the team not winning. And we've won a game. Or we we complain about not having a punter. <laughs> I remember that was a conversation for like a week. Oh, what are we going to do about a punter? No, yeah, we need a punter. Like, it's or, I, a or, or I've seen points in times where, like, this past season, Tate Thompson will have a point, right? We're winning 1-0. It's like halfway through the first. And they're like, oh, why doesn't Tate have two goals yet? Yeah. Like, what, 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 why is he, or like, I don't why know. Why doesn't Josh Allen have five touchdowns yet in the first quarter? I why need him for my fantasy. Five to nothing at the, at the first. Like, come on. <laughs> Oh, man, why did the Bills not punt in a football game? I, I mean, sometimes it's just so funny. I, I don't take it as so much as negative. I kind of like the two different sides of the fan base just because it gives you a different perspective, one. But two, I think sometimes you just kind of need that in the sense of a fan base. You kind of need the arguments and the discussion. And, you know, I think that's what makes us so great. We always have a a pretty good open discussion about the team. I mean, not everybody is open to changing their mind, uh, me, but, uh, but, uh, I, I definitely think that, you know, we, we have one of the best fan bases and there's a reason for it. And sometimes we go a little overboard once in a while. Uh, but we'll, we'll always see it through. Um, now one of the other things, Oh, that- speaking of overboard, Dan, you might have to throw me overboard here. Oh, I'm going to have to throw you overboard? Is it just a Joe and Dan show now? Joe on the phone show. Joe yeah. on the phone show. <laughs> Dan in the studio, Joe on the phone. 
uh, well, I guess we'll catch you later, Evan. Do you want to shout out your social before you go? All right. If you don't say show yourself, um, you can follow me over on Twitter um, at EvanH716. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at EvanHarrington underscore 63 and on TikTok at NFL Analyst. Um, Dan, Joe. Have a good rest of, you know, the last 20 or so minutes. And uh, everyone listening, stay safe and uh, go Bills. See you later, buddy. Have a good one. Go get those teeth freshened up, will you? <laughs> go get those teeth, teeth freshened up, smell, Evan. I can smell them through the phone. <laughs> uh, I, you know, jo- Joe, next time you see Evan, you're, you're, you're going to be just amazed by how white his teeth are. You're going you're gonna to be... The shine is gonna overwhelm you. See, ya, Evan. Get better. Um, but going on about the Bills, still. I mean, they also brought in Puna Ford, who we didn't get to talk about yet. I mean, another defensive tackle who you add into the rotation of Ed Daquan, Tim Settle, now Puna Ford. Uh, did Jordan Phillips sign a contract yet? Because he's always um, late in it. But, I, I mean, if you add Jordan Phillips, that's like a pretty good five-key rotation defensive line you got there. Like, you you are going to be rotating a lot in that system. Yeah. No, it, it's going to be solid. I mean, the, the, there's always underestimating in the preseason, right? Like, that's just how it's happening. We're heading towards training camp. Oh, I didn't want him to get re-signed. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. Okay. Like I'm not. I'm not necessarily worried. I think. I think the Bills are solid, and I don't think that there's going to be the issues we had last year, right? And like, yeah, you mentioned the D line, right? Look at the offensive line, right? I mean, McGovern, like all those guys that have been added, um, it's looking pretty solid this year compared to years past. So. I don't think we'll have a problem there either. And that'll be very interesting to watch because, you know, Josh truly struggled, struggled last year with protection. Yeah, I mean, you saw it in the Cincinnati game. Arguably one of the most, one of the biggest reasons we'd lost that game was because the offensive line could not block and he had to scramble every time, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, that's a huge upgrade to this season that no one really is giving any thought of. But did you see Diggs' tweet today? No, no, I have not. I, I oh, have what? not been on Diggs' watch. Okay, hang on, hang on. I got to I got to And and Jordan Phillips. I'm going to do, do a Twitter search. Hang on, you 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 continue. Yeah, I'm going to continue talking, Joe. Don't worry about it. Uh, Jordan Phillips did sign a one-year, three million dollar deal. So yeah, it is the rotation of five, which I'm very excited for. I mean, you you got. You got some big boys in there. I, I mean, there there is no other way to describe it. But they are some big boys who are going to be coming after you. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I, I hope you like the 300-pound the men who are coming your way uh, because you will feel it no matter how much calisthenics you do. <laughs> and I have found the tweet. You have found the tweet? Give me the Diggs Watch tweet for today, Joe. Diggs Watch tweet of the day. Now, he's the cryptic tweet king. You know that, all right? Oh, yeah. We we all know. This one's straightforward. Can I get a go Bill hashtag Bill's Mafia? 
what? Huh? What is Go Bills? Huh? Does that mean he's going to Dallas? Oh no! Ah. <laughs> oh, Dan, I've fallen victim. Uh, I've fallen victim. No, I, I think, I think the Diggs thing was all overreacted, and it was really, I think McDermott's own fault. I don't think McDermott wanted to cause a no, scene about it, but when I've you say. Victim. When you say very concerned at a press conference, you have to take that as he is ultimately stressed out about it and it is not going well. Uh, and, and, and now McDermott's like, oh, everything's fine. We talked it out. Then why did you say you were very concerned? Don't say you're very concerned if you're not concerned now. Dan, let's, let's, take, let's take a beat for a second here. I've been conned. It is not a real stuff on Diggs account. It is a Oh my god. Oh my god, you've been conned on Twitter? So I'm un- I'm undoing my retweet. I I actually undid the retweet on your your tweet. I got to get this one undone. Oh my god. Did did Diggs tweet anything today? I'm looking now. No, uh, he did not. Oh, he did. No, he did. 6 what hours ago. Two things I learned in Paris. They don't believe in at AC and the fruit over there tastes amazing. What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> or is he really just like Paris? I don't know anymore. It was funny. The one day I told you about this, Joe, but uh, for all the listeners out there, thank you for sticking around. Um, you know, I, I I was working WBEN, working with uh, Mr. Tom Bowerly over there. Uh, great man. Great, great show. I, I think I did a great job. Of course I do. But... I get one caller, one caller, one random guy. And it, it was exactly when all this Stefan Diggs stuff came out. And he calls WB and I pick up the phone. There's a bunch of other callers calling in. And he's like, Stefan Diggs just got traded to the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm like, okay, thanks. I'll send that over to WGR. Bop. Like, I, I don't have time for that. I got other things to do. Yeah, right? I just- I just so happen to be producing that damn. Yeah, I was hoping he would call you. I really wanted to. I, I, you know, I didn't want to cause you to get a caller, but I also wanted to hear that you got a random guy who called you who said the same exact thing. I'm like, oh yeah, I got that guy a couple minutes before you did. I unfortunately did not get a call. Oh, oh, how dare that guy not go through with that? How dare he? You know, I wonder if he uh, thinks Stefan Diggs got traded to Minnesota now. I wonder which team he's on, uh, on the Diggs, Diggs watch. But I, I just think it was overblown. It's all fine now. I, I really don't have any problems with any of it. Um, I've moved past it. I didn't even want to talk about it at the time. Just due to the fact that I thought it was completely overblown. Everybody's taking it out of context. It was funny. I, I saw this one. Instagram, uh, you know, post, and it said that the Denver Broncos are prepared to make a trade with yeah. the Bills for uh, Cortland Sutton and a third round pick. And I'm like, Forget. and I'm like, okay, Denver, if you would like to do that, you have to fight 31 other teams who will be sending us offers. And I bet you that is not the best offer out there. I bet you there would be better. Um, Someone was taking on $46 million in dead cap. I, I, I mean, 
I, 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 geez, I, Denver's already taken on enough dead cats. Yeah, okay? right. Do they need more? So, yeah, that's that's the real question here. Like, why why would they even think that's a good idea to make that offer? I, you know, that it's just, you know, get it out there. I mean, it's a weird thing to leak out there because none of the other teams did. So, like, I, I, I would expect if any team leaked any like trade talk about Stephon Diggs, it would be a team that needs a wide receiver, not a team that's trading a wide receiver to get a wide receiver. Um, because you already have like three good wide receivers in that room. And do you really need to trade over? No. Um, like I would expect in Arizona, like I wouldn't be shocked if Arizona came out and said, we are preparing to offer uh, James Connor and a first round pick next year for Stefan Diggs. Then I would think about it, but I, I'm not really thinking about it. You know, talk about Cortland Sutton in a third round pick. No, thank you. Uh, but I, I thought that was I, – I think it was one of the most chaotic times in Bills. I, I think one of the most chaotic times in Bills history, especially over a short period of time. I mean, this only lasted about, like, two days, and the whole world went on fire. I, I mean, I you could expect that, that somebody was just, like, lining up tables, and they were just breaking them every time Stefan Diggs was talked about over the air or somewhere in the media. I, I I mean, did you have those kind of same thoughts as I did during that time? That was it was just crazy, and everybody's taking it out, and the world's going. But I mean, it was like it was interesting because I definitely used it to do the nightcap a couple times. I will say that I used it for content. I bled it dry, absolutely. But, oh yeah, how can you not? Yeah, I mean, it's just I don't think that I don't think it was blown out of proportion the first day because a lot of like let's just think emotionally for a second here okay so you know you're you're sitting here Jordan Poyer held out of OTAs last year he came to the mini camp and whatnot it was so confusing because you had Diggs's agent saying that he was there he's been in Buffalo we're like oh yeah it's okay he's coming then he goes, he's not there, and McDermott, like you said, says very concerned. Okay, red flag, red alert, the nukes are coming. Like, what is happening right now? Then the next day, Diggs is there. Diggs' agent is also confused as to why McDermott said very concerned. It was a whole thing with that. And then the next day, Diggs is there, and you have McDermott saying he excused them. So, yeah, the first day was DEFCON 5. Your star-wide receiver, that's the big reason why you get deep playoff runs, is holding out and not showing up to a mandatory minicamp. Not optional, mandatory. That's that's a big deal, especially knowing Stefan Diggs' history can be a little bit of a diva sometimes. He's got an ego, which isn't a bad thing. You need that to be a good, you know, have a good attitude playing in the professional football league with other people who can play your position. You know, you got to think you're the best. That's not a problem, but it's just the fact, simple fact that um, the, the, I don't know what was going on at the, the Bills front office to the fact where they're like, all right, Sean, go on the podium, tell an absolute lie. Tell them, tell them you're very concerned. But maybe very concerned from McDermott meant very concerned on where the conversation left off with he and Diggs because he said they had, quote, unquote, good conversation. 
I don't know who ever needs a break from a good conversation where you send someone home. I mean, that there it had to have gotten heated somehow. This is a good conversation, Joe. Go home. Oh wait, you're already home. Nah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like. Oh, we're having such a good conversation. We both needed to take a break. Take a break and breathe. Yeah, that sounds like a great conversation. Yeah, great conversation, like, guys. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't I think it was more he was very concerned as to where the conversation left off and it was resolved later in the evening, but still no context was given to that. So why wouldn't they don't want us to speculate, yet they give us nothing to do but speculate with all these cryptic things that are said. And then he's like, I'm not speaking any more on it. Okay. If you did, this might not have happened the way it did. But I don't know. What did what did you think? <laughs> Yeah, it's like he screwed up, and he's like, "Okay, I'm not talking about it anymore. I don't want. I don't want to screw up again. I, I'm good." It, it's like the one and only time McDermott screws up is when he says uh, he's very concerned about Stefan Diggs. Yeah, great. Can't you be very concerned about like somebody else who's on the field, please? Like, you know, Dalton Kincaid. Like, go go somewhere else with that, please. Uh, but. I, you know, Joe, I know we're not, uh, no, I, I'm going to take it a different route. It was going to go one route, decided to go a different route. We all love different routes. Uh, I want to talk about the MLB. And yeah, oh, okay. The Yankees aren't doing too good. That's all I got to say. That's all you got to say? I, I mean. Yeah, they, they need to, Aaron Boone needs to get things cooking, all right? I, I mean. I somewhat agree with that, but this judge went through that wall. Everything's been downhill. That is true. He, if you did not see that clip, uh, it was the Yankees at the uh, LA Dodgers, and Aaron Judge broke through a wall. That I am not sealed. kidding you. I, I mean that it, it, that wall it was chained. Together, yeah, it was not meant to be opened. It at was. All. It has not been opened in years. I I think they did a report on it. It was like a little rusted, hasn't been touched in years. You know, hasn't really been opened or closed. So you're telling me that this massive human freak just ran into a wall and broke it because you didn't open it in a while? Huh? Well, now here's here's the real question. Here's where things really went downhill. Who's the Yankees play-by-play guy? Uh oh, jeez, you're you're oh no, um, John John something. Uh, I gotta search it now. I I I have the name on my tongue, but I can't I can't remember it for the life of me right now. John Sterling. Yeah, so John Sterling. Whacked oh in God. the head with that foul ball. That's when the bad juju started. That's when things went south. Well, it's funny. Now all this uh, judge stuff is coming about how he tore a ligament in his toe. And yeah. you're like, did the wall cause that? What happened there? Wait, wait. This is what? How you tear a ligament in a toe? Huh? It, I, it's like, you know how NFL players get turf toe? Yeah, it's like. He probably just hyperextended it on liftoff or something or landing. Probably. It just snapped, you know? Trust me. I mean, with your Achilles, my Achilles one day just decided never to be the same again. So right. anything can happen at any point in time. So, Right. Um, but it, it's funny. I um, 
I was talking with Zach Jones one day, and Zach Jones, if you do not know him, uh, works at WGR, main nightcap guy, um, you know, main afternoon guy, and he's a LA Angels fan, and uh, so much has happened with the Angels in the past few days. They not make one trade, but two trades. They trade for Edward uh, Edward Escobar, uh, a shortstop. Uh, second baseman, can't play both, uh, from the New York Mets. And then they also trade for Mike Moustakis from the Colorado Rockies, who is predominantly a third baseman, but also is a designated hitter. Uh, but that's where Otani goes, so uh, their their main designated hitter man because he is just that good. But, you know, it's funny. I uh, There was yesterday's game. I believe it was yesterday's now. The LA Angels beat the ever-living whatever. They they just kept punching their faces, the Rockies' faces, in half. I, I mean, it was like that one meme where you uh, from TikTok where it's like, you want what he's having? Justice. <laughs> Justice for Gotham. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it, it was just so perfect because the... Angels went on to win 25 to 1 and they scored 24 runs in the first four innings of a game. 24 in the first four innings, which is crazy to even think about. But what's even crazier is winning 25 to 1 but still still losing the overall series. They lost the series to the Rockies, but they can destroy them 25 to 1. How do you do that? How do you have a historic night, but still lose the overall series? That just doesn't happen. That's not supposed to happen. What's what's on the script here, MLB? Like, yeah, it, it was nuts. Even, it's like the Mets losing last night to the, the Phillies. Or yeah, whoever. oh my God, there's been so much... Firing of their manager. Defeat from the jaws of victory. That's what it is. Yeah. I I mean, it. there's been a lot of talk about Buck, uh, the New York Mets manager, getting fired just because of how badly he's, he's not put together the team, but just executed the team. Yeah, nothing seems to be really working. No. And, you know, it's not his fault Justin Verlander isn't playing right now it's not his fault Max Scherzer was on a tear before a 10 game uh suspension due to having sticky stuff on his hand uh do we know what that sticky stuff was of course not because we just throw out people for having sticky stuff on their hands or sticky feeling on their hands I mean I I get I get it kind of justified I guess but they should have looked into it a little more, maybe to see what it actually was. It was but funny. Was... He made the main <laughs> argument to it, too. So he's like, I have to uphold it or else, you know, it means nothing of what I'm saying. He he had to take the 10-game ban or else it's like he was arguing that, you know, they should look more into the sticky stuff. And he's like, okay, I, I guess I got caught with sticky stuff. I'll take the 10-day ban. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Yankees have been a little, a little down this week, four and six in their last 10, still in a wild card spot. Nothing to be mad about. Toronto's right on their butts though. Uh, 
because the Yankees only have one game in hand right now. Um, and Toronto has been tearing it up, especially because they had, they had the Oakland A's the past two games. Um, but Joe, I'm sorry to say it might've been short, but, uh, time is up. Tick tock. Yep, the clock is gone. Clock. I, I mean, I wish we could go longer, but we, we have our two hour limit, you know, um, uh, which sucks sometimes because we always have more to talk about. But we're hoping to make this Monday at 2 o'clock the normal summer schedule now. Um, just due to the fact that Wednesdays was our original day. It just hasn't been working out. Uh, you know, we've all been a little busy. Uh, we've talked about it. We've all talked about it a little bit in our own way uh, by mentioning us working a lot. Um but we're we're hoping Mondays will start being the normal or we are going to be start. If we can't do it on Monday, we're going to try to do it online. And I know, Joe, you made a Twitter for the Blitz a long time ago. So we're, we're going to have to search that thing back up. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to yeah have everything firing on all cylinders. But we'll be, we'll, we'll, we're going to give it a whirl. We're going to give it a try no matter exactly. what. So... Joe, why don't you shout out the socials? All right. You can find me on Instagram at Joe Kelly and on Twitter. Oh, it's been a while. At the Buffalonian underscore. Yeah, he has an underscore at the end. So if you don't find him right away, it's because you didn't put the underscore. And he never tells you the underscore. <laughs> He's like, it's just a Buffalonian. But I'll make fun of you for that, Joe. You made fun of me for the, the Sabres. Not being the biggest Sabres guy, so I'll make fun of you in your non-underscore Twitter account. Sounds good. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at double underscore D, capital W-N-Y. And we will see you next Monday. Have a great day.